Yeah, I think we're ready to go. Um, so we are actually starting a brand new message series today. And uh, the, for the next couple of months, two months, uh, the rest of November and December, we're going to be going through a series called Reclaim or Reclaiming. And we're going to be looking at different topics and how we can wrestle with the ways in which uh, they've been used in the past to kind of um, keep people from engaging with themselves and with their spiritual journey. And how do we reclaim some of these ideas to see how God is speaking through it, how our voice is speaking through it, and how we can learn what the world is um, teaching us. And so where we want to start today, I think appropriately post-election, is with this concept of unity. What does unity mean? What does unity look like? We saw a vice president-elect uh, president last night talking about this term of unity and saying, even if you voted for someone else, I'm here to be your president. Um, but there's a lot of, and I think rightfully so, some cringing and resistance to concepts of unity. And that a lot of times it means more uniformity, or a lot of times it means suppression of uh, minority or oppressed voices. And so we just want to have a conversation this morning. And we're so excited to have someone here today that I'm pretty sure is directly responsible for the voting patterns in both Philadelphia and Atlanta, the two places he's lived previous to Portland, Oregon. Uh, we're excited that you're here with us, Leroy. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Exciting, exciting day to be here. So Yeah. So Leroy, let's start there. Let's talk about that. For you, when we talk about this idea of reclaiming, as you walked through this election process, what is the different engagement you have had with the concept of unity um, when it came to campaigning, when it came to figuring out who is and uh, after yesterday? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's really good, good Kurt. I, I, I think what I experienced in the process was, um, was a resolve, right? Um, and and uh, a connection point around um, how do we get out of this struggle first, right? And mm -hmm. I think that was the unifying factor uh, that, um, that most of the leaders that I know were, were zeroed in on, right? Um, and it was, we've got to get people out of what they're going through. And yeah. so, it was all all hands on deck. Again, I, I mean, Biden isn't the favorite choice of a lot of people. That's it, it, you know, he's a good man, and I think uh, will do a decent job. But um, but that wasn't that that wasn't the unifying factor. The unifying factor was people were really hurting and struggling of, mm -hmm. from the last four years, and we needed to unify to get out of that first, right? Um, and so I think that's what we we saw happen, specifically in communities of color, right? Black and brown mm -hmm. um, community. So um, it was that factor of, man, we struck. This is this is this is really really hard, and we got to get folks out of this. So yeah, I think that's where that's where it hit for for me. Yeah. So I'm curious for you because I am uh, unapologetically feeling great today, and I woke up feeling greater, lighter, and happier. And I, I do want to sit with it because when we talk about concepts of unity, for me, if it was just rooted in, hey, the outcome I wanted for the presidential election happened, so I'm excited 
and everyone else, I don't care about anyone else's feelings. Mm -hmm. I think that that would work against processes of unity mm. because it is, hey, my side needs to win for me to be doing okay. And I don't care about you anymore. Where for, for me, I wanna be able to take a step back and link it to my understanding of who Christ is and what God is inviting us to see is my excitement today is linked to who is in the street celebrating. Mm -hmm. Somebody was gonna be in the street celebrating the outcome of this election. The, the eyes of Christ are then compel us to say, who is celebrating? And when people who have been oppressed, marginalized, are in the minority of our country and have less of a voice, feel more seen, heard and protected today, that fills me with great joy. So my excitement isn't, I still, and I'm curious for you, Leroy, I have this excitement and yet there is a part of me that I'm less in touch with today after hearing Madam Vice President-elect speak last night and hearing Joe Biden speak last night, that's still a deep sadness on 40 plus percent of the country voting for someone who demonstrated over four years a deeply toxic leadership style that was pretty solely interested in consolidating more power at the expense of those who could use some form of power and voice in this world more than anyone. Mm -hmm. So how do we reconcile that? And what does moving forward look like? Is there any hope for unity? Or is it like we just have to do what's right and we hope people come along, but we're not in control of that? Mm -hmm. So, oh man, I think there's a couple things with that. Yeah. Um, one is, um, you know, if you if you if you uh, read anything around liberation theology and kind of um, James Cone specifically, who con yeah. who contextualizes liberation theology to America and Black people, um, there is uh, a deep understanding of celebration, right? Yeah. That, um, that even in the midst of suffering, right celebration happens right mm -hmm. so it's, it's it's pretty interesting obviously the celebration is much bigger and much more lively today than it would have been if it went the other way but be but understand and know even if it didn't go this way there would be black folks still figuring out a way mm -hmm. to bring some joy today in service whether we won or lost, right? Wow. Um, so, so celebration isn't always dependent on winning. Yeah. Uh, and so remembering that uh, within this con this particular context is important for me. Um, uh. That um, that my mother, who's you know been a Christian forever, right, and where I get a lot of my my discipleship from, would be rejoicing in the Lord today, one way or another. Right. Wow. And so, um, so, so uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think it would be different, but it would be there still. So I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes a lot of sense. And I actually want to stay there for a second because what, what, what I heard coming from that is as a white male and someone who's used to power, my celebration is usually linked to winning and overcoming because I'm somewhat conditioned and used to eventually winning or overcoming or being on a side that is winning and overcoming. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to say about for people that are becoming more familiar with a world that will not always go their way, 
what does celebration in the midst of suffering look like? Because I think there's a thread there that can help unify and connect us, mm -hmm. um, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Yeah, so let's use, I mean, we're excited about Kamala Harris, right? Yeah. Let's use her as an example, right? She would just be leading young, young women of color differently today, but she would still be leading mm. them. Yeah. Right? She would be, she would, that the conversation would be different, right? Around, hey, this is what you do in disappointment. I've been disappointed. I've been in this a long time. Uh, here is what I did when, when I didn't win, when I went, didn't go my way, when people were throwing stuff at me, right? Like she has the experience of both. Um, and today she's pulling from the experience of the winning side, but she has, she has experience and continuing sure. to move forward out of struggle. And she talks about that profoundly in her in her mom story with her mom, right? Yeah. Being an immigrant here, not being wealthy, not not having those things, but continuing her mom raised a daughter in suffering, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh I I, I just I, I think it is a profound offering that comes um specifically from women, women of color, uh black women, right? And who understand uh, how 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 to do that well? So, yeah. So I guess there's some men. Who, I guess there's some men who know how to do it, but I'm I'm not sure we do it. <laughs> not well, not well. <laughs> exactly. Let's just say not at all. I just for the day. I just want to be the one that tells you how I. All feel. right, that is not fair. <laughs> That's right. So I I mean. I'm curious, a lot of people refer to today and the events of the, the our politics in this current moment as the most divisive ever. And I think I've heard that from enough people that have lived, you know, decades ahead of me to lend some credence to that. What does unity in an increasingly divisive circumstance or, or cultural situation look like? Is there, I mean, at what point do you, like Paul, you know, split ways and what play and what ways do you reconcile and come together? Is unity always being in community or is there a unity that can occur and not be in direct community with one another? I'm interested in how that plays out. Um, I would say the lessons from that per, come profoundly from Dr. King, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that Dr. King, um, in in uh, talking about beloved community, um, always, you know, if you read some of the stuff and dive deeply into it, there is always an invitation to his enemy. Always yeah. consistent, all the way through, always inviting the person who is not with him to be with him. Always in mm -hmm. that space. And I think um, uh, if you haven't read a letter from Birmingham jail, that there's a part of it that comes through profoundly out of that letter. Um, mm. And I think uh, that is um, significant within, um, within the black tradition, within the liberation tradition, right? That um, uh, the, the, the deep, like, and I'm not actually probably not all the way there, right? But the deep un, like invitation to those that have done you wrong to, mm -hmm. to join you. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 
And again, if we go back to our grandmothers and our, our great grandmothers uh, and all those who, who literally took care of white children um, where they didn't have resource to take care of their own yeah. and did that prof with profound grace, um, uh, we have, I have not been trained um, uh, to hate my enemy. I just haven't, right? My mom would probably pop me upside of the head right now if I didn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't uh, exude grace, although I, 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 again, confess it, I don't know how to do it well, but <laughs> um, but she does it. I really want to see someone come through the screen really quick and just pop you. Like Donna instead is like delivering that. Could I think why I don't have any hair. Like I've just been popped enough times outside of here. <laughs> to this image. Keep going. So I, sorry. I know that's not politically correct to pop your child upside of the head right uh, anymore, but uh, anyway. <laughs> so I'm curious. But, oh, go ahead. So here's it. I, I ran across a quote. Um, Kurt, that uh, this week that I think voices that powerfully for me. Um, and as Scott Ben Rhodes writes, looking at Black voters in Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Atlanta, it is striking that people who have been treated the worst by our democracy consistently do the most to save it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There is an argument to be made that black folks around this country went to town, organized, um, and saved the republic. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Right? And I think it's such a strong lesson for, for each of us and that in our electoral system, every vote counts the same. But within a spiritual system, we are required to center the voices of the oppressed and the marginalized. The people who the best they can hope for is an equal vote with everyone else tell us way more about our systems, our societies, our cultures, and the ways in which they need to be overturned or reformed or changed than anyone. Mm -hmm. And so in this election, it can be a slight margin because of the incredible organizing work of individuals like Stacey Abrams and countless others that we will never know the names of in those situations to save our democracy. But I think there is an impotence, especially on white Christians, to continue over the next four years to center the voices of the people that have been oppressed and marginalized by our systems and structures so that we can bring change. And to that end, I'm curious for you, I can love those that have totally different viewpoints on the world and totally different. They want different outcomes for the United States of America. Mm -hmm. But how do you, but you still have to confront injustice in all of its forms. There's still an invitation for people that are interested in, 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 in knowing and centering around this, this Jesus story mm -hmm. on confronting injustice and calling it what it is. So how do you do that in a way that is unifying and not dividing, or is it even possible? Yeah. So um, you know, we, 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 we talked earlier, I think um, I have, I have a, a, a statement that I keep kind of focused around, around unity yeah. and, and under kind of three things that I, I call uh, false calls for unity. By um, the way, 
All of you get a pen and a paper, get out your phone. You're going to write these down. They are incredible. All right, go ahead. So my, my, my three false calls for unity. The first one is unity, a call for unity without the confrontation of injustice is covert assimilation. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Unity yeah. without the confrontation of injustice is covert assimilation. Right. Mm -hmm. That, um, you're asking me or any particular marginalized community um, to, hey, let's just all get along, eat, eat without confronting the thing that's wrong in the room. Yep. You're just asking me to assimilate, right? Yeah. You're not asking me to challenge anything and nor are you um, set to challenge anything. Um, it's seemingly that you're more interested in the in, in, in the, in the quote unquote peace, right? Yeah. Um, well, so and peace costs you less than that. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is to say, Hey, we should all just get along in a system that is still centered on white supremacy or being straight or being all the different kind of dominant culture things is an act of oppression to anyone who does not fall within those categories. Peace is easier to call for when you're in the dominant power centered majority. Exactly. And while people wouldn't say they're asking you to assimilate, yeah. they, like when you ask them to do that, you're it, like, that's what, that's what the end result is. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the second, the second call for false unity is um, unity without equity affirms inferiority. Say it again. Whew. That um, unity without equity, right? It's just affirming inferiority that mm -hmm. uh, that I should operate and can operate with being less. Yeah. And there's no need for you to step into around equity, right? Uh, we stay in our lanes, right? Uh, um, you have your place, I have mine, right? Uh, I make I make a dollar, and ladies, you make seventy cents. Let's just all get along. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And 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 that 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 aff that affirms inferiority. It's okay mm -hmm. that you make less. Let's just yeah. let's just be one. Yep. Right. Um, and so that brings into into account healthcare, housing, equal pay. Right. Um, uh, basic human rights for queer folks. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, good immigration policies, right? Let's all get along, but we don't know about healthcare. Let's all get along. Uh, but queer folks, y'all, we're not gonna get y'all no healthcare, right? Let's all yeah. get along and ladies, come on, 70 cents is okay, right? Mm -hmm. right? That, that, that just solidifies inferiority in, um, in these spaces. So- um, And that, that right there reminds me so much of that the statement in the movement, Black Lives Matter, has always at its core fundamentally been a statement that all lives matter. But we have to address the inequality within the Black existence in the United States of America so that all lives can equally matter. Yes. And it's, it is significant to acknowledge that when this call for unity comes out, but it's impossible because of the violence that we're seeing and the deep inequality when a movement comes to bring about equity so that we can we can move forward with some, it will be seen as 
a violent act, a terrorist organization, an attack on all these core values that is just another way of saying whiteness and the way right. that things have been so far. And so, right. so yeah. yeah. So without addressing these, right? Like Biden is calling for unity, but like, is he defining unity from a you know straight white male perspective, right? Mm -hmm. He's actually defining unity, and um, that's not how I define it. Right? Yeah. And so um, we've got to we've got to think about that as well. Like, who's actually who? Like unity? Who? Like who? Who's who? Who? Who's making that definition out? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's important to recognize it's a great moment and uh the straight white male is standing up saying let's all come together and i'm going i like okay but let's define what that means yeah yeah um and then my last my last kind of false unity thing is um unity without voice is sub subjugation right mm -hmm. um if i have no voice but we call for unity um, I'm, I, I'm subjugated to you being in control. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm, or, or I'm secondary, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to stay in that place cause I'm going to unify, right. Um, without my voice being at the table. Yeah. And so this is what I love. I hope that you are excited out there. I hope you are hearing this and excited because when you carry a passion. And I hope as someone who's interested in what this Christ story is, and is interested in how we see and love so, so that we can create a world, create a country, create a whole system around us where it can create the mutual thriving of all people, which I believe is the invitation of God all throughout scripture. When you make calls for LGBTQI rights and representation in government, when you make call for black men and women to have equal rights and to be represented at the highest levels of our government. When you make calls to say this process of eliminating everyone who wasn't born here from ever coming in here, when you see the rampant Islamophobia, to call that out is not being divisive, but it is, it is the only pathway to true unity. And so when people accuse you of being divisive, I think it gives you the language to be able to say, this is not divisive language in any way. To not have this kind of language is divisive. To call for unity without voice, equity, or representation is violence and is divisive at its very core. You can pretend that it is unifying all day. You can say, hey, we just need God more and, and Jesus is on the throne and you know the sun's gonna rise tomorrow. But if the system that rises tomorrow is at its core divisive and harmful to people on the margins, it's not a call for unity, it's a call for subjugation. Sorry, Leroy, yeah. you just got me on one. Whew. No, I, I, I mean, I love it, I love it. And I love like, you know, and, and I'm gonna do tip, you know, some, some black preacher stuff that I was taught in my back this like, what does Jesus have to say about this, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and I think I've been I've been drawn this week uh, to Jesus turning over the tables in the temple, right? And mm -hmm. um, man, that was a hard moment probably for those folks, right? That um, Jesus walks in, 
and he turns the tables over. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't, right? He's, he's, he's like, this, you, you have made this something that it's not. He turns over the tables and then um, he does something incredible. It says, then he heals the people who needed healing in the room. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, the turning over the table should have made them mad, but it says after he healed these people, then they got indignant with Jesus. Right. Yeah. So he comes in, he disrupts the system. He turns it all over. And if he would have walked out, then they could have just rebuilt that, but mm -hmm. that, he doesn't stop there. He heals the marginalized folks in the room. So yes, they they now have voice. They now have dignity. They now yeah. have part of this thing, and and then they get mad at that. Yeah, uh, and I think and I think that um, is pretty profound. Obviously, that sermon's not done yet. I can dig a whole lot more into it. But, <laughs> yeah. but that 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 to me. Um, uh, connects with this idea of unity, right? Mm -hmm. Disrupt it, turn it over, but then there's a healing process. Yeah. Then there's a voice uh, that comes from healing that we know uh, that, that the marginalized gravitate to and get renewed and restored and revived. And now there are forts in the temple and yep. the folks who are in charge of the temple don't like it. Sure. Uh, yeah, because sorry, equality will- Preaching. Wait, I should, I should have. Keep going. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. it's happy Kamala day. You do what you want to do <laughs> on a day like today. Yeah, I mean, it's so, because there's this moment of joy, speaking of Kamala, that we get to celebrate. There is a more complete picture of humanity and the United States population today based on our president and vice, Madam Vice President elect than there was the day before. And yet we should want to keep on encouraging and working for there to be greater and greater representation in all forms of government. And I think it's important to note that a lot of time when you say, yes, I want there to be a transgender representation on our cabinet or in the executive branch, there needs to be voice to this experience in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. The pushback is gonna be, oh, well, they're just gonna come in with an agenda, which is such, gaslighting in the ways that these calls for unity oh because white men don't have agendas just because it's been that, I was like, we need yeah. a caveat that statement here <laughs> just because it's been the only agenda and the founding agenda of our country doesn't mean it's not an agenda you just want to sleep to it because it's been around for so long we don't need less agendas we need more agendas that can represent represent all the people that god has created in all their diversity and wonder and that's what gave me cause for exhale yesterday yeah. and a deep inhale. We are a little bit more representation of who God created us to be in this aspect of our government. And that is good news. Yeah. This should make Christ people celebrate and feel joy and have an eye to the future. And like, and we still have further to go. We yeah. still have more to go because we will always train our eyes to the margins. And if we know humanity, we will always be creating new margins. So how do we stay diligent in that fight? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's 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 a good day. Um, the work is ahead of us, but motivated workers, right? Motivated marginalized folks, 
motivated black folks, motivated native folks, right? Uh, look, they, they gave us, I read a thing, um, a stat in Arizona um, on native vote. And yeah. it's like 76,000 natives are registered. 74,000 of them voted for Biden, right? Right, like the, the, the marginalized voice in Arizona is what pulled Arizona ahead, right? And yep. just think, right? This is, think about this as the first step, right? Yeah. To what freedom looks like and feels like, right? For, uh, for this world and for this nation. And I think that's what people uh, are celebrating. Oh my gosh. Yep. What is going to come, right? Yes. That, the Dr. King moment of, hey, yep. I'm telling you, I've been to the mountaintop, right? Mm -hmm. I've been there. I've seen it. I've, he, you know, I'll admit I'm not going to get there with you, but I've seen mm -hmm. it and it's coming, right? And I, you know, as a person who grew up in a Black church, I'm like, I'm telling you, joy um, can come in some incredible ways if we yeah. keep following this track, right? Yep. This spirituality that's native and uh, Latino and black, yeah. right? It brings healing to people profoundly. Mm -hmm. And if you want some of that healing, let's keep walking this track. Cause yeah. it's there, man. Uh, yeah. and, uh, that's what, like, like we're not there. We're just on the table to see God explode in ways that we uh, that we haven't been open to, and now yeah. we are possibly open to that. So that's yeah. what, that's what's exciting to me. So it is, and and like it's not about Democrat over Republican. Whatever party is representing and has the strongest outflow from oppressed and marginalized people is a voice we need to hear and we need to listen to. And to that end, I actually think what we saw in Florida from the Cuban vote for Trump should be telling people that are more democratic listen, that leaning to listen to the voices of people who have left a form of socialism, that the thing that we create, we can still move to a place that is more just for all people, but we need to learn the lessons that happened because there is a marginalized voice that is calling to us saying, there was a lot of damage and a lot of pain that happened from that. So this is not just a partisan listening. This is let's find the people that are, and let's listen and center those voices, um, especially for people seeking after the heart of God. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. This is fun. This is gonna be great, Cascade. We, <laughs> man, like, uh, uh, um, I'm not, I'm not a big, I can't remember much about TV shows and all that. And, yeah. uh, but Donna's into these stories and the kids and they, uh, they watch this and I can't remember what it was, what it's from even, but yeah. there's this line, um, uh, Aslan is on the move. Right. And yeah. I, I don't know what it's even from. It just popped in my head, but it's like, yeah. God is on the move. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was about to do something. If anybody knows where that comes from, let me know. But um, oh, yeah, that's Chronicles and, and, of Narnia. Yeah, that's a whole Narnia reference. There. Ah, Narnia. OK. I, I, and again, that's no endorsement of Narnia because I don't know much about other parts of it. But that line is pretty cool. So yeah. are you kidding me? Sarah and I would have gotten our white Christian card revoked if we couldn't pull up a C.S. Lewis reference. Yeah, I mean, they would have kicked us out. 
You just hit a pretty big <laughs> reference there for some. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that is so good that God is on the move and people of God can celebrate the parts where we see that movement, but keep our eyes to the places that it needs to continue to grow, that we still have more work to do. And may this encouragement spur us on to greater levels of work and engagement and involvement and more, more curiosity about what's happening around us. What are the policies happening on a local level and how is it impacting real people? That this is the good and exciting work we get to be a part of. So. Leroy, I'm still waiting for the Sunday where you're here where I don't have too much fun, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it is a blast. It is a shot of adrenaline. We love, we, we love and appreciate your presence with us, Leroy. It means more than you know. Good to be here. <laughs>